Hey guys, you're listening to episode 60 of the Finish Line podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today, we're talking to April Chapman, the CEO of Generous Giving. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Cody, and I'm here with my co-host and brother, Keelan. Today, we're talking to April Chapman, the CEO of Generous Giving. April and her husband, Craig, have been on an exciting journey as God has led them through financial windfalls, career changes, and a variety of creative giving strategies. April now leads Generous Giving, which has provided a platform for thousands of people to experience the joy of living a generous life. Stay tuned to hear her incredible story and how Generous Giving is working in the generosity space. Before we get started, I want to ask you one big favor. If you've been listening to the show for some time and want to support what we're doing, one very easy and free way to do that is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Just write whatever you like about the show and you'll help others find us. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're the first to know when new episodes come out. And with that, let's get to the interview. We have April Chapman joining us this evening. Thank you so much for being here, April. Thank you, Cody. Cody and Keelan, great to be with you. This is really a pleasure. Thank you. Why don't you just get us started telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, happy to do that. And I'll begin by saying, you know, my story is no greater than anybody else's. So I'm you know, happy to share with you tonight, but this is just the journey that the Lord's had me on. I came from a pretty simple family, just kind of middle income. My dad was a school teacher and my mom was a homemaker. We had a nominal faith. I was raised in the Lutheran church and, you know, we occasionally went to church. My mom was from a Norwegian background where they believed that, you know, you don't talk about politics or religion. That would be rude. And so we just didn't have a lot of conversations about, you know, some important things in life. But I was very well loved. They were awesome parents and I grew up very happy. In my teenage years, I started going to church with a boyfriend And he was actually a friend of my brother's. And my brother was the one who finally one day came in my room and said, so are you understanding who Jesus really is? And he really led me to Christ. And I'm grateful to my brother for that. I'm getting choked up even just thinking about him. Anyway, from there, went off to college, just really leaned into my faith and got married to Craig Chapman, who you will hear a lot about during this interview because we've done a lot of ministry together. So you'll hear me referring to Craig. Craig hired me. That was how we met, which that's a whole other story we could go into. But we ended up getting married and uh, we were living down in Southern California at that time. We actually came into our marriage with a fair bit of debt. And this is, I guess, kind of where the you know, the part of our generosity journey starts with us as a married couple and kind of how money ended up shaping a lot of the journey that we would have. So Craig and I, we got married. And as I said, we were coming into the marriage with a fair bit of debt, but we were both software engineers at the time and had good jobs. So, you know, our salaries were fine. There were two things that happened during that first year. 
Craig read R.G. Letourneau's book on mover of men and mountains and really got this idea that, oh, here's a guy who kept giving more and more over his lifetime as he walked more closely with the Lord and as the Lord kept blessing him with more wealth. And at the same time, I was doing a Bible study on Malachi and kind of got into the whole Malachi 310 verse, right, that just test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and give you so much blessing, you won't be able to contain it. And so with these two ideas, we're like, huh, maybe we should think about tithing because we weren't sure at that point if that was an Old Testament concept or a New Testament concept. We both really had generous hearts and wanted to give, but kind of with the debt and such, we just hadn't sort of landed on what we were going to do as a couple. So we were grateful that happened in our first year and we decided, all right, we're going to be obedient to the tithe. And we started tithing and we started paying off our debt and got more serious about our finances and did decide that, hey, how about over time we adopt this model of we increase our giving sort of maybe 1% a year. So that was kind of how it started. Kind of as we started progressing, we were about four or five years into our marriage. We were both working at Microsoft now at this time, and we were collecting a fair number of stock options. And we started thinking, you know, it would probably be wise if we diversified this wealth a little bit. Like if someone had given us a pot of money, we wouldn't just put it in Microsoft, right? We'd spread it around a little bit. So we decided to take some money out, cash some of those options. And in doing that, of course, we wanted to give. on that. Well, that 10%, we decided to give fairly good size gifts to some of the the five or six organizations that we were working with at that time and most passionate about. And for us, these were like good size gifts. We had never been able to give something like this. So we were really excited and it allowed us to get more integrated into these organizations. And most interestingly, we started getting phone calls from them saying, Hey, would you like to come to our donor event? (laughs) We had never experienced that before. So we start going to these donor conferences and the first one was a significant waypoint for us. It was with Focus on the Family, and it was at the Broadmoor Hotel. I can picture walking around the lake with Craig. We'd been there one or two nights, and we're taking this walk in the morning. I looked at Craig, and I said, I think I heard a word from the Lord last night, and I've never had that before. And he goes, well, that's really weird because I did too. Like, what? What's going on? So, of course, it was like, well, what did you hear? Well, what did you hear? You know, and so we start sharing. We realized we both had gotten this really strong sense from the Lord that it was time to make a change and that we had these great jobs at Microsoft that we really loved. And yet he was calling us into more sort of kingdom work and that he had something else for us to do. And he left it really ambiguous. Like neither of us knew exactly what the next step was or what that was going to look like. We just knew that he, we felt like he was calling us into something more than just a career at Microsoft. And all we got from it was as we were walking around that lake was like, okay, the next step is it feels like in the next year, something's going to change. And we think that's April. It's time. You're like you're going to leave Microsoft and God's going to provide something else. Okay. Wow. We had never heard from the Lord that distinctly. So then a few months later, we go to another donor conference and this one is with Campus Crusade, now crew. And we hear this older couple talking about this acronym LIFE. Maybe you guys have heard of it. It stands for labor, influence, finances, and expertise. And we hear this couple talking about how 
you know, we can give all these aspects of our life away to God. And we're thinking, okay, well, we kind of have some finances to give and we're really excited about that. But like, we're technology geeks. What else can we give? You know, they happen to be a medical couple. And so they were off doing these medical, you know, mission trips and stuff. We're like, what in the world? How else could God use us? And at that conference, the leadership of Campus Crusade, again, at that time, approached us to say, hey, we know you're working on internet strategy. Could you take a look at our strategy and, you know, kind of give us some ideas whether we're going in the right direction and stuff? And it was like, what? I'm getting to use my life, right? Like, anyway, that was the beginning. It was like, okay, God has something for software engineers too. That started a great relationship with Crew. I ended up consulting with them for about a year and really helping them through a time with their technology. I ended up leaving Microsoft at that time and really just started doing consulting for a number of different ministries. And it really was this transition in our life. So long story short, that starts happening. My life starts changing. We end up getting pregnant with twins. So I kind of hunkered down for a couple of years. Craig, during that time, also ended up leaving Microsoft And then he was approached by a buddy to start, do a tech startup, co-found a tech startup. And at the time, Craig really didn't think that was what the Lord had for him to do. We were both like kids in a candy shop. We had left Microsoft and were really volunteering and leading in a bunch of ministries, getting on boards. We had been able to cash out our stock options from Microsoft. And we felt like if we lived modestly and invested carefully, we would have enough to kind of live on and just do this kingdom work. So we were super excited. And then Craig gets this opportunity and he's praying about it, thinking, I just don't think you want me to do this, Lord. And again, he gets what we would call a word from the Lord. And we're not, you know, normally those kind of people, but we started learning that like, okay, after obedience, like if we really start listening, God has some things to say to us. And so he gets, he's in his quiet time that morning and he's praying about whether he should do the startup. And he, the Lord says, I want you to do it. And I have two caveats for you. The first is, I don't want you to run it like a typical tech startup. I want you to be really family friendly and I want you to honor the families, you know, by not making people work a lot of overtime and that kind of thing. And then the second thing you said, and this was the shocker for us at the time, was I want you to give away 50% of anything you make in your equity in this company. And so he came out, it was quiet time and shared this with me. And we're like, wow. We've never heard of anyone doing that. This was before we'd ever been to our first journey of generosity with generous giving or anything. So we were kind of just living our own little life at that point. So I was like, all right, well, 50% of zero is zero. And if (laughs) God decides to do more than that, then okay, we're in. And so the journey continued. April, you mentioned how when you started giving to organizations that you were passionate about and you got invited to events and you started to build community around people who were living the lives that you were beginning to live as well. That really was a spark that led to all kinds of incredible work that you've been doing since. And I think that's really, really amazing. I'm curious how you initially selected which organizations or which causes to give toward. Yeah, it's a great question and one we all have to answer, right? You know, sometimes people use sort of the peanut butter approach 
where you're just kind of spreading small gifts uh, across a lot of ministries. Some people are called to, you know, a focus on a particular few passions. At the time, honestly, Cody, it was early in our giving days, and we had a handful of ministries that we just felt passionate about. Families and marriage was a big one for us, so we were doing focus on the family. I had gotten involved in, you know, campus ministry in college, and so, you know, crew was a good one for us. We've always had a heart for the poor, and so we were giving to Mercy Ships and World Vision at that time. You know, so it was kind of just where the Lord had led us at that point in our life. And I think the thing about the LIFE acronym that has really helped us is we actually look for opportunities where we can give our labor and our influence and our expertise alongside our money. Like that's where we've just found like that intersection of all four pieces of life is where we get the most joy and feel the most used by the Lord. You know, that doesn't mean we can get involved in every ministry we give to But over the years, like, so this was, you know, 20, 25 years ago, like over that time now, we've seen how the Lord has moved us as, you know, like he moves us in a passion area or where we see a need that like, hey, we can apply our expertise there, you know, and then we kind of put that alongside where we give. So for us, that's the way it has worked. So I'm really interested in the story that you've painted so far. Take us back to, you know, the beginning of this tech startup and what that looked like for you guys and where God took you to next? Yeah. So I think there's one other piece that maybe I glossed over just a little bit and I need to make sure I mention because it really was the key to me leaving Microsoft and Craig doing the startup. And that was, there came a point where I think we both just realized that surrender was the key word for both of us. And it was, as I was coming out of Microsoft, it's funny, the last trip I did for Microsoft. I was with a partner organization. So there were several of us from each of our teams and we met in Las Vegas and I'm in this Las Vegas hotel room. I had just finished reading the prayer of Jabez. And I really like that part about expanding territory for the Lord. Like, man, that just hit my heart. The Lord was like, you know, I'm all about that kind of thing. And so I just remember surrendering to that. So I'm in this Las Vegas hotel room. I'm down on my knees next to the bed and I'm just bawling as I read this. And it's like, yes, Lord, I'm leaving Microsoft. I am surrendering and I want to expand my territory for you. What does that look like? And it just felt like, let's go. Like I want to be on the adventure. And I think Craig felt the same way as he was hearing that word from the Lord. Like he was fully surrendered, not thinking he was going to do a startup. He was thinking he's going to go do some ministry stuff. And the Lord's like, no, I actually have a little different path for you. And will you go on the journey with me? And so I think for both of us, we both kind of hit those points in our lives where it's like, okay, I'm surrendering. We're going to start listening really well and we're going to be on the adventure. You know, and so now this has been almost 20 years ago and it has been an adventure and we're both in places now that we never imagined we would be. And I know one of the reasons you called me onto this podcast is because I'm now working at Generous Giving. And, you know, 20 years ago, I never would have expected to be in this role. So, okay, so we did the tech startup. We heard the Lord say, all right, give away 50%. And we determined to do that. And, you know, the learning lesson there was how freeing it is when we make these decisions up front 
And then all we have to do is execute on them when they happen. And I know each of you have made those kind of decisions in your lives too. And it just leads to freedom, doesn't it? It makes it easy. So Craig worked at this company, leading it for about seven years. And then we had an opportunity to take some of our equity off the table. So we were able to cash out about 60% of that equity. And at that time, we just went through the motions, right? We opened up our donor advised fund. We were able to do this in a really tax efficient way because we had planned for it. And so we paid the taxes we needed to pay and, you know, put 50% into our donor advised fund and National Christian Foundation. And we put the other 50% into sort of our personal investment and retirement fund. And Craig stayed with that company another couple of years and then eventually rolled off. And again, it was at that point, it's like, okay, now you've got this giving fund. Let's go. What are we going to do with that? And he, just like he did the first time around with a little bit of money from Microsoft, he started leading us down some new paths that we hadn't been before. We started getting involved in some new ministries like World Vision Innovation Fund. I mean, Craig had just come through this new experience of venture capital and you know, doing risk and how do we create something new and what does innovation look like? And just as he was rolling out of his company, we had some friends at World Vision. They're like, hey, we're starting up this new innovation fund. Do you want to be part of that? And again, it was that life acronym. And God's like, I just gave you a new experience. Let's go use it. And now you have some money to, you know, put alongside that. So that was fantastic. We started getting involved in Praxis, which I think you guys know is a really a venture building ecosystem that advances redemptive entrepreneurship in both the business and the nonprofit sectors. We started doing some impact investing, including co-ownership in several small companies. We got on the board of Impact Foundation to help other people know how to do charitable investments. And along this time, we were also getting more and more involved in generous giving. So it's like the Lord was kind of shifting our focus into more of these business-oriented and investment-oriented ministries. It's just been so fun. I want to come back and talk about impact investing a little bit more. Before we get there, it sounds like you guys were involved progressively more and more in generous giving over the years. Tell us a little bit about your journey with generous giving and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, thank you. So we got involved with National Christian Foundation up here in the Northwest. We were invited to be on their board and one of the first things, Kendra Vandermeulen, who was the president at that time, one of the first things she did, she said, you need to go to a jog, Journey of Generosity. And we're like, okay, don't know what that is, but let's go experience that. So we attended our first jog, and that's when everything really started falling in place. I mean, we had already given the 50% away, but it just put a much fuller, uh, just God-sized view of how we were supposed to look at all the resources he had given us. And it really was that shift in the question of not how do we figure out how much we give, but how much do we keep? How much do we spend on ourselves and what kind of lifestyle do we have? And, you know, how do we get more and more of this into kingdom use? So from there, we got so lit up about the journey of generosities. We got trained to facilitate them. And so we started hosting and convening our own jogs. And then because generous giving was such a big part of NCF's 
strategy up here in the Northwest. It just became part of what we were doing. And we started hosting these quarterly lifestyle of generosity events where anyone who had been to a jog, we'd all gather quarterly and just inspire each other and, you know, watch another video and tell another story. And it was just really great. And then I also got on the board for Generous Giving. Let's see, that was about 2016. And then finally, about a year ago, we were just at a place where we're transitioning leadership. And I sensed the Lord was inviting me into considering an opportunity to actually be on the team with Generous Giving. And so I started January of this year, and here I am. April, I'd say a significant percentage of the people that we've come into contact over the last few years in the generosity space have attributed a large part of their beginnings or their journey to the work that Generous Giving is doing. And we love the organization. We had a chance to speak with Todd Harper, one of the founders back in episode 25. But for someone who's listening for the first time, can you share a little bit more about what Generous Giving is Yeah, the vision of generous giving is to have God's generosity put on display through God's people. I mean, I think that's really it. It really, at its heart, it's a discipleship organization that works to transform our hearts and minds around all that God has given us to steward. And we just celebrate the freedom and the joy that comes when we as believers understand that God has been so generous with us. How do we share that generosity with the world? And I just love thinking about how the world would be so different if we all were really as generous as we could be. And so that's what we think about every day. It's how do we help others experience this joy and freedom of really getting on the path of you know, using everything God's given us for his glory and for his kingdom. And I truly believe that generosity is one of the best evangelism tools we have. It is countercultural and people, they pay attention when they see you do radically generous things because they don't understand it and they want to. So I guess if you want to understand a little bit more about what we really do, like that's the why, (laughs) the how and the what is we are known for an event called a journey of generosity or what we call a jog. And these happen either in one day formats or overnight or over a weekend. And it's really just a really intentional conversation about generosity, just like we were just saying, why it's important, what biblical generosity looks like, how we challenge ourselves to think about it. And we just really get in a safe environment with peers where we can talk about it. Because as we know, like, especially in America, it's just not the cultural thing to do. We don't really talk about our finances or our giving. And as Christians, we need to be able to do that in a safe place. So we're known for these jogs and people seem to love them. And they like to invite their friends and family to them after they've been to one because they see the change that it makes. We also have one large event that we do every year called the Celebration of Generosity. And we have sort of five, 600 people that show up at this. And it's kind of like a jog, but on steroids. We all get together in a big group and have some great speakers and great discussion. And again, just really talk about biblical generosity and how that changes our lives. You talked earlier about how you and your husband, especially with the venture background, are interested in kind of risk-taking and moving, you know, things forward in kind of an experimental way. 
And so I'm curious for how that plays into what you see for generous giving over the next five or 10 years. What do you see are the opportunities out there that there are to continue the message of generosity? And, you know, where are you guys interested in moving and exploring in the future? Yeah, I will answer that from a generous giving perspective, not really from an April and Craig perspective, because I think there's so much opportunity. So GG was founded in GG, that's generous giving, was founded in 2000. So they're, you know, they're 22 years old at this point, and they have touched thousands of lives. And it's mostly been done in peer-to-peer relationships, right? It's like, you trust me enough, or we have, you know, we have a friendship that if I say, hey, come to this overnight conversation about generosity, you come because you trust me. So it's grown through these these peer-to-peer relationships, which has just been phenomenal. I think the next frontier is to really understand the opportunity in what we would call dense networks, right? It's that people grow in community. And so our next level of strategy or where we're really adding on to the strategy is how we reach into these existing networks of people where we can kind of drop in this message of generosity, where people can talk about it together and grow in community. So this can look like our churches, it can be our businesses or business networks, it can be in ministries, right? So that's really our vision at this point for where we go over the next number of years. And I'll add to that, I mean, just to give that a little more color. One of the things I think we've discovered is if you think of generosity as kind of a flywheel or a cycle, the way it happens in what we've observed over the last number of years is people will come to say a jog and they have this heart transformation moment. And once they're leaving a jog, the first question we always get is, okay, how do I put this to work in my life, right? What is my personal application? So I've had this heart transformation I want to personally apply it. And then the next question we get is, when are we going to get back together to talk about this? People want to grow in community, right? So we realize there's like this flywheel that happens, heart transformation, personal application, and then we want to grow in community. And so if you picture that in this, you know, sort of virtuous cycle, that's what we want to have happen, right? So there's this seed of a, a jog or this generosity conversation that happens in a community and together people are working through that personal application and growing. Yeah. April, a big part of that process of practical application for generosity, you mentioned the word surrender earlier. And I think that is so much a part of the journey. And I think initially, at least in my own story, it felt like I'm going to give some of my money away and it's sacrificial and it can be challenging and it's there's some growth involved there. But pretty soon it has to be more than that. Like you mentioned, life. There's all that you have to offer because God's blessed you with so much. And you really lived that out with Craig. You've surrendered so much more than just financially, to God. And that has led you on such an incredible path. And I'd love if you could share a little bit more about how surrender is part of this journey for you and stepping into generosity. Well, for me, it really was, you know, being on my knees in that hotel room in Las Vegas. That what, like, I can look back at that and say, that was the moment when I think, you know, it was my aha moment that if I really wanted to go on the journey with God, I had to surrender everything, everything. And then 
what I've realized is I now actually pray to surrender every morning when I wake up. And I think that's like, I went a number of years where I didn't do that. And then all of a sudden in the last few years, I've realized, wait a minute, am I being as surrendered as I was at that point? And so now it has become a practice for me that each morning I surrender and I want to be that empty vessel for the Lord to fill today with his power. And, you know, I want to just be full of thanksgiving and joy. That's the way I want to live my day. But I want him to fill me with his power. And the only way I can do that is if I empty myself first and surrender. So that's my story, Cody. It's a daily practice now. I think that's a great point. And one of the things that I've seen through so many other people's stories who have shared is that generosity is such a clear demonstration of that surrender. Because I mean, even just on a financial level, to be generous means you are giving up control of something that you currently do control and you're giving it to, you know, however that looks, you're basically giving it into God's hands and saying, you're in control now. And I trust you that you will do whatever you intend to do with this now that I've given it. And what I have seen in my life and I know in Cody's life and in so many others is that by exercising that surrender it impacts so many other areas of your life. It, you know, grows you in prayer and in all your other decision-making totally outside of finances and managing money, but it just stretches you in that surrender. And so that's one of the reasons I am so passionate about generosity is because it's such an important introduction to discipleship. Really, it, it opens up so much more of faith in general on a broader scale. And I think it's easy to kind of think of generosity in kind of like a compartmentalized little area, but it's so intertwined into all aspects of our faith, exactly like you're describing in your own story. I completely agree with you, Keelan. Yeah, you're right on. I mean, I'm thinking about the passage of God and mammon, right? The Bible doesn't compare God against anything else. There's no other verse that says God and something else that we have to be careful of. It's God and mammon. So I think it is one of those areas of our lives that so easily where our control wants to so easily creep back in. And so I think that's what like the finances is just like, it's the good first step. If you've surrendered your finances, it's kind of like everything else is sort of easier. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were involved in impact investing after utilizing donor advised fund through National Christian Foundation. And you mentioned a couple of the organizations that you were working with. Can you tell us a little bit more about what impact investing is and how you got involved in it? So I'll define impact investing the way Craig and I look at it, which is investing in a way that we get economic, social, and spiritual returns, right? Or impact. And different people may define that in different ways. But for us, we like to think about it that we're stretching all the way to that spiritual impact. There are a lot of people who are not Christians who are doing impact investing for environmental impact, which is wonderful. And we love that. And there are people who are doing impact investing for economic empowerment, which is wonderful, and for social impact you know, and we applaud all those things. And a lot of our impact investing has those elements to it. But the thing that's really key for us is if we stretch all the way to spiritual impact 
And what that means for us is we really do try to invest in businesses that are led by Christians. So we know that that faith component is, you know, being passed through the whole organization, that they are intentional as a leader. They're being intentional about how they treat everyone they come in contact with, right? So that the employees, their vendors, their customers, you know, anyone they touch is hopefully, you know, seeing the Lord in some way. And a service or product may not have a spiritual impact or even a social impact, right? So sometimes you can't get there through the service or product, but you can get there through the leadership and how they impact the ecosystem around them. So that's been kind of our bar for just who or where we invest. Another way of looking at how we do impact investing is we do some through investment pools or through funds. And then in some cases, we've invested in specific companies, again, where there is a Christian leader and we know exactly who's running it and why. And I've been on the board of some of those companies, and it's been really great to even help work through a model for how do we get economic, social, and spiritual impact for our employees. There are others that we've invested in that are in third world countries, right, where we're much farther removed from what's happening on the ground. But again, we know that those kinds of impacts are happening. One of the other things that's been fun for us, because as I mentioned, we had our like 50% went into our DAF and 50% went into kind of our personal investment and retirement fund. When we do impact investments, we typically will invest from both accounts. So we figure, well, if it's a good enough investment to be in, then we'll pull, you know, sort of half from God's money and half from our money and we'll put it in there together. Another way we've looked at it is for us, because our DAF was funded out of kind of a one-time event, which is different than others who are maybe getting a regular paycheck and putting a little bit in, you know, month by month or year by year, when we first got that download from the Lord, it was like, okay, how long do you want this donor advice fund to last? Do you want us to give it all away in one year, two years, five years, 10 years? And so we started making some pretty significant gifts the first couple of years, and we're watching the balance go down. Meanwhile, we were also seeing the Lord engage us more. And like I was mentioning, some of these both ministry and business opportunities, and we realized that, oh, capital does equal influence. And if we feel the Lord calling us into some of these areas, we probably need to make this money last a little bit longer. And so we started kind of giving ourselves a little more structure around how we use that DAF. And really the impact investing for us became an economic engine for our DAF. That was the way we looked at it. So it's like, okay, we're going to take a portion of our DAF. We're going to make sure we impact invest it. And, you know, we hope for a certain level of returns. And as those come in, if there is a return, some of it gets given away and some of it gets reinvested. And so that's been kind of an interesting way that we've been using it as well. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about how impact investing interacts with charitable giving. And you kind of touched on it a little bit there, either in your own lives, how you have kind of balanced or thought through that, or on the bigger scale for people in general who are thinking, you know, who are both doing impact investing and charitable giving, what are the roles in there? Is there, you know, different situations where one makes sense more than the other? And how does that kind of play out? 
Yeah, it's a good question, Keelan. I think you have to take a look at what kind of impact investment it is. So if you think of sort of a two by two with one axis being returns, right? What level of returns you're going to get and the other axis being your impact and divide that into four quadrants. You know, if it's a high return, but a low impact, you know, we think of that more like an investment, If it's on the other end of that scale with maybe a low return, but high impact, which some cases like that's where we want to invest, right? Because no one else is investing there. We think of that a little more like a charitable donation because we may not get a return on it. But if we do, great, we'll roll that back in and we'll use that money again. And so you do have to sort of evaluate these things on a spectrum and I think that's between you and the Lord and how much you have to invest and what you want to do with it. So you know, I don't want to be prescriptive there at all, but that's just the way we look at it. So just like you'd have a, you know, Cody, I'm thinking about you and the financial advising you do. I'm sure you advise people to have a, you know, well-balanced portfolio, right? And we think of our DAF the same way. Like we look at it as a well-balanced portfolio where we have some impact investments that are very risky and may have a very low return, but they're going to have a high impact. And we feel great about those. And there are others that we specifically put money in there because we're trying to get a little higher return on them because we do want to keep that economic engine going for our DAF, but we know that they may not have as significant spiritual impact, let's say. So we think of it like a portfolio and we love putting our charitable dollars to use that way because we feel like We're getting the benefit, like there is impact, just like if we gave money to World Vision or to some other total nonprofit, like we know we're getting impact for it and we get to reuse the money. Not always, but but that's the hope. April, I'm curious about the moment when you actually gave 50% of the profits from that liquidity event. And I'm just thinking of people joining tech startups or whatever it might be, building up some wealth in the form of appreciated assets and having an opportunity to liquidate that besides just tax savings, was there a shift in the way that you thought about the money once it formally left your account? Well, we were actually just doing the happy dance. That was how it shifted our thinking about it. It was like, wow, this has actually come to fruition the Lord gave us this word seven years ago and we like, it wasn't zero, it's 50% of something. And we're getting to put that in a fund that we get to call our giving fund. And that gets to support all the ministry work, you know, and these kinds of investments that we want to do. So honestly, Cody, I can say it was just pure joy. That was the only shift was that, wow, God did this. And now we get to steward it. And we're going to have the opportunity to hopefully support a lot of things, you know, through the money that he's given us. The nervousness there is just like, gosh, I hope we're going to be great stewards. Maybe that was the mind shift was just, Lord, help us be good stewards of what you've given us. One of the things that I just wanted to point out from your story, because it was striking me earlier, is, you know, back to this idea of surrender. When you were about halfway through your story, I was thinking, like, I'm excited to hear how everything plays out, how after you guys have made these decisions for Craig to 
joined the tech startup and for you guys to leave Microsoft, not knowing how it was all going to play out, but knowing that that was how God led you, you know, I was excited to hear how everything, you know, went after that. And I was just thinking about so many people listening to this episode who are in that moment right now where they have heard something like that and they have some action to take that seems clear but they don't know, you know, the rest of the story that we have that opportunity to hear right now. And I'm sure there's much more of your guys' story to be written. But I think that's what's so exciting about not just generosity, but the whole living a life surrendered to God is that that story is still being written for you and for us and for everybody listening who takes that step of surrendering. And, you know, we have the privilege on this podcast to hear how so many of those stories have played out, to hear people who are, you know, have had nice long careers and seen so many of so much of the fruit from what God has done. But there's many who I think are taking those first steps. And and I just love how that has played out in your story. Mm, That is a great just summary of, yeah, how it happens. And for anyone who's on the journey you do have to get to that point where you listen and then it really is like that old hymn, trust and obey, right? It's like, there's that element of trust and you obey and then you walk in the adventure. So for example, Craig is now the Dean at a Christian university up here in the Northwest, and he's building a whole new technology program for them, you know, thinking through faith and ethics and technology, you know, and here I am, leading generous giving, which is, you know, just so fun to go from a champion to, you know, getting to be part of the team. And so again, it is that trust and obey. And we're just like, once you've been on the journey and you see how God leads and directs, like, okay, what's next? And we just don't believe in retirement. That just doesn't sound fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, April, I really appreciate all that you've shared and all the work that you do and that Craig does and for being willing to come on this podcast and share a little bit of that with us and anyone who might listen. As we wrap up, I do want to take some time for the Manager's Minute. We like to wrap up every episode with one practical action that our listeners can take to step into their role as stewards and to manage God's wealth wisely. So, April, do you have a suggestion to share with our listeners today? Thanks, Cody. I do have a suggestion for all the planning and planned giving we do. Like that is one side of our generosity, and we love living into that. But I have to say, I think the thing that keeps us free and generous and maybe surrendered, Keelan, is our spontaneous giving. Because that's where we're listening to where the Holy Spirit is trying to show us where he's moving, right? So looking for those needs in the people that we're just coming into contact with every day and being intentional about it too. So for example, it's like, you know, when we stay at a hotel, it's leaving a really nice tip in the room. And I never do, this goes to that spiritual impact piece again. If ever I'm trying to be generous, I always want to connect it to God so he gets the glory. So I don't want to just leave a big tip. I'm going to leave a big tip with a nice note and it's going to have something encouraging on it. Like, I hope you feel the presence of the Lord today. He loves you so much, or maybe a Bible verse or something, right? I always want God to get the glory 
Or kind of a new fun trend we've been trying lately is when we go out to a restaurant, especially with a group of friends, and we leave a 100% tip, which is kind of a new fun thing we're doing. But when we do it, before we do it, if it's appropriate, we try to ask the server if there's anything we can pray for them which usually will catch them off guard and is a little bit awkward. But when you practice it and figure out a way to do it right, it's actually pretty cool. And then you leave a 100% tip. It's fun. We've actually hidden around the corner a few times and watched people. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. I think that is my manager's minute is the joy of spontaneous giving. Yeah, absolutely. I know that some of the most rewarding things that my wife and I have been able to be a part of are exactly that. And it just connects you so well in tune with, you know, how the Holy Spirit is leading you right in that moment. Before we finish up, I did want to give a chance for people who want to learn more about generous giving or how they can get involved. Where can they go? Where can they learn more information? Thank you. Please go to generousgiving.org and you can look at our Celebration of Generosity event coming up. You can look at hosting a journey of generosity with your friends or joining one of our online jogs that we do. You can peruse our video library, which has some awesome and inspirational stories of generosity. And you can email us if you need any help with any of those things. Awesome. And I encourage everybody to check that out. April, thanks so much for joining us. We had a fantastic time hearing all that God has done through you and Craig, and we're excited to see what he holds in store for you guys and for generous giving. Keelan and Cody, thank you so much. This has been so fun and just such a joy to hear your stories as well and all the things the Lord is doing through your lives and how you're blessing other people. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we'd love to hear from you. And now a quick question for you. Do you know anyone who's living a life filled with generosity, purpose, and mission? If so, we'd love to talk to them. They don't need to have a financial finish line, and they don't have to have all the answers. Just a heart to steward God's wealth to the best of their ability. If you know someone like that, we'd be honored if you would connect us. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. And finally, if you want to find any of our references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode 60. That's it for today. We'll see you next time. 